Hello, and welcome to Teaching, Learning, and Everything Else. A series of conversations with innovative educators at colleges and universities across the country and around the world. This podcast is produced by faculty and staff in the Center for the Advancement of Teaching and Faculty Development at Xavier University of Louisiana. And now, let's talk about teaching, learning, and everything else. I'm Bart Everson, and um, joining me today is Elizabeth Yost-Hammer. Hi, I'm so glad to be here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And we are excited, honored to be connecting today with Dr. Janina Baker, who is the director of the National Institute for Learning Outcomes Assessment. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Baker. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. And we're excited uh, to talk uh, in, in particular, you know, assessment is something that uh, we hope everybody who's teaching is at least familiar with, uh, whatever feelings they might have about it. Uh, and the kind of, there's been a burgeoning interest in equity and, and surrounding issues uh, on college campuses, but I'm not sure people have necessarily connected these two things. And that's why we're interested in having this conversation. And so we thought that we would start with asking maybe for you to set some context for us. Um, equity um, in general has become kind of a forefront topic. If you if you read the Chronicle, if you um, you know kind of following uh, things in higher ed, there's inclusive pedagogy, inclusive teaching, equitable assessment. And so I'm wondering if you could just give a um, you know from your mind a brief history of how this concept of equity in higher ed has kind of ebbed and flowed over time and where we are now. Absolutely. I, I think you're both correct, right? You can't go anywhere without seeing the words equity somewhere. And it means different things to different people. It looks different in different spaces. And we have been just hearing from different people in the field around, you know, there has to be something to addressing some of these access and retention issues. And even specific to assessment, right? Not just necessarily the usual enrollment conversations, but as we think about in our classrooms, what happens. And as we talk through, again, you talked about, you know, you're in a teaching and learning center. And uh, when we talk about pedagogy and how, if we think historically, how uh, a lot of this work has been happening, it's been very traditional. Um, And when we think about, you know, who's, who college was built for, it wasn't necessarily for people who look like me. And so if we think about those traditional methods, who college was was started um, for and and, and look at the history of of why and how and when, we have to change things. It's 2021. Our students are not the same. They're not coming in with uh, just similar backgrounds. They're coming in from varied backgrounds, varied experiences, uh, where they potentially have learned in some of these spaces. And we're not necessarily providing all of the uh, information anymore, right? We're not the the people that are standing at the front of those classrooms and imparting knowledge. Many of them are bringing that in. And so when we started having these conversations around um, um, who's, who's at our colleges, who's, um, how do we know these students are learning? Um, it really did bring us to this relationship between equity and assessment. And uh, I remember Eric Montenegro, one of our grad students at the time we became a, our communications director as well as our former director Natasha Jankowski really started to just talk about our own college experiences and Eric's experience uh, coming up 
in K-12 and how you just didn't feel, you felt othered in many ways, um, being a dual, being able to speak dual languages and not uh, really feeling like they actually captured what he was able to know and to do. And so we started that conversation back in 2017 and wrote our very first occasional paper around culturally responsive assessment, really building off culturally responsive evaluation. And so you'll see some concepts that are in that paper, right? That it's mindful of the population that it serves, that we're developing appropriate tools. It's very intentional, all with students at the center. And so once that paper came out, there was a lot of buzz, tons of buzz, tons of conversations, people saying, yes, we know that that's exactly what needs to happen. We've been doing this on our campus. How can we you know, talk through this? How can we continue some of these conversations? And so on our website, uh, www.learningoutcomesassessment.org, you can check out some equity responses from those that first paper. You can check out case studies that developed as a part of this work. Um, many resources really helped establish the second paper, uh, which then really delved into equity-minded assessment. And so we've found ourselves at these, these conversations where people have just been excited to, to talk through it, to think about their own experience in college and potentially what could have helped uh, them not only understand the material more, but perhaps some of their, their classmates might have stayed in school had they been able to really appropriately show what they know and can do, show what they could do and what they know. And so from that, uh, it brings us here and, and talking to different people about some of these concepts. Yeah, they, uh, thank you. I really appreciate that, that um, we have, uh, one thing that really struck me working with faculty during COVID and now kind of af after COVID, um, especially faculty who were really worried about student integrity issues or, you know, academic dishonesty on, you know, online, and, um, is that we're given the same kind of tests that I got in college in the 80s, yes. right? And then we, in the 80s, when I was in college, we didn't have Google and we didn't have, have these things. And yet our assessments are, are, are exactly kind of exactly the same. So I'm, do you think that, um, do you think that there's something special going on in the academy? I'm putting that in quotes, going on in the academy right now that, that we're ripe for this, that we, we can actually make some big impacts moving forward in this area? A hundred percent, yes, if we are intentional about it. So luckily, uh, and unfortunately, right, the pandemics, the many pandemics that we've experienced over these past couple of years have disrupted higher education as we know it, and in some ways have allowed us to try some things that we might not have. You know, we did a, a report uh, back in August of 2020 where we asked institutions across the country to just tell us what what assessment changes did you make, um, in in specific to during the time of COVID-19, and we found that many of them were incredibly flexible in terms of assignment deadlines, in terms of assignments themselves, um, talked through, you know, perhaps there's this shift to uh, from credit to no credit or the shift to having more conversations around pass fail. I'm sure you saw all of those happening, especially uh, this past year, if you've read the Chronicle or Inside, Inside Higher Ed, you can escape those conversations, but those are needed conversations. Those are those have just been kind of just sitting there waiting for people to talk through. And this has forced us to think about that. Unfortunately, I think I've seen, and um, even in some of our, our K-12 spaces, I have three boys of my own. We've kind of gotten back to 
the pre-pandemic pace um, and I'd say almost inflexibility in some spaces, but we, we knew it, we did it, we were there. What can we learn? What have we learned from that experience to bring forward? I think that, you know, we kind of just jumped in this semester. Everyone was wanting it to kind of feel normal. Um, but as, as a couple of our occasional paper authors talked about, right, there's no, there's no normal anymore, right? There's a newness to this. And so how do we take that, uh, what we've learned, and leverage it to actually work for our students, work for us so that we don't feel burnout um, in this work as well, yet still understand and, and get to that deeper learning that we really tried to, to, to get to uh, and what we want from our students. And so Yes, we can. Yes, we know. I think we've seen even more so these past few months, some amazing, not only assignment ideas, uh, but also thinking through programs and thinking through other experiences for our students that don't necessarily have to be hands-on in these spaces because in some of our hospitals weren't letting our students in. So how were we really providing some of these simulations um, for our students? We've learned so much that we can absolutely do better. And I think we will we just have to, to give some time and space to allow us to get back to that. Yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate those thoughts. Burnout was one that kind of came to my mind too, right? Wanting to get back to normal, but also just kind of hanging on <laughs> by a thread yes. as we're doing this. So I appreciate that. I'm wondering if you could, because I, I really like the things you just said about the things that we did, right, that we did, and that I saw here at my university too, more flexibility, more authentic assessments as opposed to rote memorizations, because we had to, right, to kind of beat Google, if you can beat Google. Um, you, but, you know, I saw some of these things. I wonder if you could link that to it being more equitable. We know this was good for all of our students, but how how do you see this um, as also being more equitable in general, or do you do you see this being more equitable? I think that we have heard from several students, um, whether those be our family members uh, or even just students in our classrooms, that last year, in many ways, allowed for them to take care of some of their responsibilities, whether it be at work or at home and go to school. They didn't have to necessarily choose. And in some of those spaces itself provided some, some equity um, in that they were still able to not only attend school and provide for themselves. And perhaps, you know, we, we talk all the time about these living wage uh, positions, right? They are essential workers for, for many of our students um, that are in some of these, uh, higher education spaces. And so if we're trying as much as we can to support them and keep them in school while attending to other responsibilities, I think that is a change in how we do college and how we support our students. So yes, absolutely in that way itself, um, it, it can definitely be equitable, again, if we're intentional and very mindful with it. But in terms of you know those changes that I spoke to, uh, we definitely saw more institutions just starting to understand their students' needs, as opposed to just assuming, as opposed to um, being there being a disconnect. They really had to talk to students to find out, you know, why aren't you coming to class necessarily, or you know, how can we support you in finishing out this semester, or perhaps, you know, that we have 
10 outcomes, learning outcomes of this in this particular course, we might only get to really truly two of them. And we need to ensure that you're learning those. So let's have a conversation about, you know, what can actually demonstrate that. It definitely, if again, um, was thought of in that way up front, right? Kind of, we talked about beginning with the end in mind. If you could think through that, we could absolutely see where not just the course itself, the design itself was equitable, but then the assessment then became that. And then we heard on the other end how students felt just so supported and so um, excited to come back, right? And as faculty members and as staff members, they felt relieved and also encouraged that they were able to provide what they needed for their students at the time. And so I would say definitely um, those that were able to really understand their student needs and address them, I, I feel could understand and see um, how equity could play a part in that. I definitely will also say um, those that didn't necessarily or I guess did really work to ensure that equity was a part of the decision-making. And so not starting from a, a place of deficit, but really understanding where students, what we were trying to enable, right? We were trying to enable learning. We weren't trying to enable cheating. And if we started from that angle, what were the possibilities? And so we definitely saw some of that. Um, I'd say inequitably was technology and access to that. We, we heard that. I'm sure you saw that probably even on your own campus in, in trying to ensure that students had access to everything that they needed. And within that, we've learned quite a bit. And so how are we going to address that here on the other end, I think is going to, to show. And I'd say just overall, a lot of the conversations that I've had with colleges about this past year, past two years is with what you know now, what will you do differently? And if we start from that question, it's amazing how we've been able to reframe, re-envision, re-imagine, not just assessment, but just it, teaching and learning as a whole um, at our institutions. And that in itself, that's, that's really tackling the heart of, of, of what we're talking around about within equitable assessment and you know, just rethinking our, our space and our place in these conversations and taking some ownership back of that. So it's not the traditional classroom. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You touched on so much in that response. My mind's going, woo. Um, and I, I've got some follow-up questions if we have time, but I would like to shift our um, focus for a bit to implementing equitable assessment. You talked about cultural responsive, responsive assessments. Um, we've also used the term equitable assessment. I wonder if we could, for, for our listeners who are like, okay, I'm convinced this is the time to do this. Where would you even tell them, like, wh where, do you, where do you start? And what's, you know, now that we know the end goal, where do you start? Great question. There's so many resources out there now. I mean, if you had looked maybe three, four years ago, you'd see equity, you'd see, um, we've termed it equity-minded assessment here. Um, and if you know anything about Dr. Stella Ben-Simone out of USC and their Center for Urban Education, equity-mindedness is a whole term and has a whole literature base around it and really has helped, it, it's helped me um, personally and professionally move to, you know, what that actually means and, and doing the work that's incorporated with that. And so um, 
a, a few places to start. Obviously, Naloa. Uh, please do start there. Um, that's one. And it'll definitely take you into about 20 different directions. We actually also um, presented at Assessment Institute uh, every October. It happens. It's one of the oldest running assessment conferences in the nation. And these past couple of years, they've been free and virtual. And so if you're interested, going to look at the session recordings that they just released uh, on Monday, I believe. There's a whole track on diversity, equity, and inclusion specific to assessment. And uh, a couple of other people, Gavin Henning and Ann Lundquist and I, uh, we did a keynote of just thinking about being an equity, equity conscious practitioner and what that means and reframing, disrupting, recognizing spaces um, that this that you sit in and that how you can help advance some of this work forward. And then there's a whole host of sessions that can then push you in some of these directions. And in one of uh, those sessions, we actually talk about a book that we just uh, wrote on reframing assessment. And within that, we were able to talk through uh, different, a spectrum or a continuum of equity-minded assessment that includes socially just assessment, bias-free, deconstructed, decolonized. There are so many terms out there that, you know, you almost have to find one that resonates with you. Um, and then if possible, um, really start to push on that practice. And so I offer up that. Um, Google is always there. You don't necessarily know if it's a good source or not, but definitely if you are interested, NALOA Assessment Institute session recordings. Um, there's an equity-centered um, assessment landscape survey that Ann Lundquist spearheaded that will be up soon. And the results of that will be out and kind of been shopping some of those results around at a few of the, the conferences that we've been attending. And so we'll see, you know, how well that sticks. And then that, that'll definitely be go into and push into another scholarship, another body of work. And so there's, there's so many ways to get connected into this conversation. Thank you so That's much. Great. And all these links that we are, um, uh, that you're talking about and organizations you're talking about, we will include in this podcast. So Perfect. people who are listening, you can notes. go there. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bart, go ahead. In the show notes, we'll put them in the show notes, links put to it. resources. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so uh, great. And so that, that's a great way for, for faculty to plug in. I also want to comment, I really liked that you mentioned there's there's a bunch of different terms out there, right? A bunch of different uh, terms that people are using now. And I think that finding one that resonates not just with you as a faculty, but also with the mission of your, your university Absolutely. and your student population. And so we have the opportunity to get that specific now, which is Great. It's great. Um, I, I wonder if you could provide, so, we, so with those kind of resources in mind, and maybe just one or two pieces of um, use it in the classroom tomorrow. Uh, we can use this as our, our wrap-up question here. Uh, if you had to provide with, from, with your knowledge and the research you've done and this, you know, all the, the, the presentations you've seen, any practical, use it in your classroom tomorrow. You haven't you know, had time for backwards design, haven't had time to, but what, is there anything that faculty members can just do for their assessments now as they're entering into this conversation to make it a better experience for students? Absolutely. And depending on 
you know, how much you, you either know or you're ready for, can, you can really push into this space. And so uh, if you read our latest occasional paper that was written in January of 2020, on equity-minded assessment and thinking about how equity can be embedded into assessment practice, right? And if we think of, of assessment as just really good questions about teaching and learning, then I would say um, really thinking through and, and being intentional and asking students to help you co-create, to help you develop measures, to help you develop rubrics, uh, to help you make sense of some of the data. We've been having some really good conversations about democracy and assessment and what that means. And it's all boiled down to student voice and ensuring that student voice is included and not just to hear from them, but to then make decisions off of that. And then to communicate that back to students and alums and stakeholders, what changes and actions were actually done. So I would say number one, in, including students in, in thinking through your course, your, your design, all of these things, they almost, some of them want that, uh, want to be included in, in some of those discussions. And another one, I mean, is faculty, definitely depending on your discipline, uh, you might be more qualitative or quantitative, but starting to look through your data, starting to, to disaggregate it a bit more meaningfully and asking different questions. Um, the student affairs assessment leaders or the SAL group offered um, back uh, in last summer a, a statement around how assessment is, it's not free from oppression or bias and then talked through about some, some self-reflective questions about you know, whose voices do you elevate within the evidence that you're gathering and you know, what's your position in that. And you know, if, we're, if we're considering ourselves in this work as well and not just putting it all to students, reflecting on our own practice, reflecting on how, where we sit, our privilege, whose voices we privilege and elevate, what, what evidence we validate, all of those are incredibly important questions um, it really get at the heart of, of some of this um, equitable assessment conversation. And so those would be the two. There are many, many more and more that are, you know, quite uh, complicated and take a bit more work. But those are two, I think, that I would offer right now. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm hearing uh, self-reflection. If we do not, if we cannot um, uh, explore tackle, work on our own biases and our own roles, complicitness, this sort of thing, then it's really hard to lead others. And then I'm hearing um, student voices and, and student voices in the designing of course design, assessment design, assignment design, you kind of throughout. So oh, thank you. Those are, that's, those are two great, great things. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. I hope that this uh, conversation will motivate uh, some of our listeners uh, to learn more, and we will include links uh, in the show notes to some of the many resources that were referenced in this conversation. Uh, so thank you uh, so much. We've been talking with Dr. Janina Baker, uh, Director of the National Institute for learning outcomes assessment. Thank you so much for talking to us today. You're so welcome. I'm glad that you're interested in the topic and I hope that the listeners found something that they've, that has tugged at them and want to learn more of. So thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to this installment of Teaching, Learning, and Everything Else. For more information, please visit our website at cat.zula.edu. 
That's C-A-T dot X-U-L-A dot E-D-U. Until next time, keep on teaching, learning, and everything else.